Welcome to another episode of The Brett Bailey Show, where I find inspiring men to share their story, impart their wisdom, and hopefully change your life and the whole masculine culture at large. If you're somebody who wants to be free of their deepest fears, find real emotional freedom, and attract the life of their wildest dreams, then you are listening to the right podcast. So without further ado, let's dive into another episode. You know, those guys actually, Graham Hancock, what's the other guy's name? Randall Carlson. Randall Carlson. Those guys made me really think about evolution and like what the fuck actually happened. Like actually like I only am currently aware of all these buildings and like in my life growing up in the 20th, I mean not even like the 18th century, like the 21st century with technology as crazy as it is. And it's it's insane for my mind to grasp the concept of life before like 30,000 years ago and we were still foragers, you know what I'm saying? Um, they talk about some really interesting shit that I want to get your opinion on, which is like, you know, they talk about what happened with the pyramids. They talk about technology and they made me think recently about how technology only really advanced. Like the last 300 years, technology has taken incredible leaps, like insane in the last 300 years. Mm -hmm. And so what if there was a lost human technology that was, you know, around when the Egyptians, that, that, um, you know, that whole thing was going on and we just lost it somehow. I can't remember why, why they said that we lost it, but what if there was like some whole diff, a whole different type of technology that was alive and then we just lost it. And now we just went a different route with technology. It's not like there's like one technology. What if there was more? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and like the same thing could happen again. Like we could have another meteor impact, uh, you know, worldwide blackout, people lose the internet, people lose ele- like electricity. You know, maybe we lose a few like libraries and stuff like that. And then like all the knowledge we have is whatever people can remember. That's crazy. You know, and then whatever they can teach each other. And not everybody's an electrician. Not everybody is like a computer engineer. Not everybody is, you know, uh, somebody that can build generators and stuff like that. So we kind of be on our asses if like something like that happened again and like we probably would regress until we rediscovered our technologies again or created something new so that we can like make life easier that's crazy you know but like yeah we're on the thin string like it could happen anytime like it could be like i don't know what if like what's that place like the yellowstone national park blows up like they keep saying there's gonna be a super volcano explosion and it could be really devastating yellowstone, At yellowstone national park where is that it's in the states, like. Is it uh, co- your Colorado or is it? Your... Uh no, it's uh. God, where is it? I, I've never. It? Might be. A volcano in the states. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's several volcanoes in the states. I mean, Mount Mount St. Helens in Washington State. Washington has a volcano. Mm-hmm. Mount St. Like... Helens, and it exploded in the '80s. Really? And I'm like, yeah. I think of like old and it like destroyed boring, whole towns. What? Yeah. I think of like old boring politicians when I think of Washington and like cold weather. I didn't know they had a volcano. Well, wa- not Washington D.C. Like the Washington State. Okay. I mean, even, I mean, yeah. It's like right below B.C. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They have a a, vo- a volcano there called Mount St. Helens. Oh, I had no and idea. It erupted. I think it was in the '80s when it erupted, and people heard it from like in the next state they could hear the explosion. Wow. Yeah, but let me see where Yellowstone. I, I feel embarrassed as a half American not to know where Yellowstone <laughs> National Park is. Yeah, you're disgraced to your country. Uh, <laughs> where? Yeah, I, I know. I'm 
scum worse than scum (laughs) it's in wyoming okay all right small section is in montana three percent but 96 percent is in wyoming and one percent is in idaho interesting yeah but there there's a super volcano i mean there's a whole lot of like um geological activity there right that's why they have the geysers uh and stuff like old faithful that's in yellowstone national park i believe and um Scientists keep saying that they're they're measuring tremors from like the ground there and like oh there's a super volcano and if it blows up like half the country is going to be covered in soot. Half the country of half the USA. The co- yeah, it, Shit, it would it would destroy a lot. Whoa, it, it would be a big disaster. How I didn't even know volcanoes are that big. Destroy half of the USA. I mean, yeah, it's like a volcano erupts and then it releases soot into the atmosphere and then it blocks out the sun. Um, it oh. rains down back onto the earth and probably contaminates the earth with different kinds of chemicals. Um, it'll change the temperature. There was like an incident in like the Middle Ages where there was a, a volcanic eruption in Iceland and it covered all of Northern Europe in, oh, crazy. in dark, dark soot and it caused um, a two year winter. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot of people, winter. A lot of people died. A Shit. lot of people died. Damn, yeah, dude. You know, people Watch couldn't grow crops. They couldn't grow anything. It was too cold. There was no light. Oh, so you gotta, you gotta, at that point, you got to become a breatharian. You gotta... <laughs> yeah. They, no, so, so they, you, like, how do I become a breatharian? It was in the fucking Middle Ages. <laughs> <laughs> they were done They're for. Fucked. They were totally fucked. Yeah. Oh, that's shitty. Well, I'm curious for you, like, you know... Um, I think there's so many ways that we can um, make the world a better place. And I think that's what I hear all the time from young people when they like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? I want to help people. I want to make the world a better place. And like, it's a very noble thing. It's, it's just so general that part of me is like, I think that's a great place to start. Um, but I think it's specificity is, is nice as well. Um, for you, what's the impact you want to make on the world? I've always been very curious about uh, human potential. I yeah. think that we're underutilizing what we're actually capable of yeah and so I dedicated my life to discovering different ways of using our bodies that are very natural and accessible to us Mm. uh, but can allow us to have very deep profound healing Mm. so I've specialized in something called somatic education I also coach people in uh, just being aware of their emotions, becoming emotionally intelligent and helping them process through the, the trauma nice. that we all have. Love it. And I also do sound healing. Okay. I just sing to people, allow them to go into altered states of consciousness so that they can also do deep spiritual or emotional healing. Yes. Um, but yeah, the impact I want to make on Earth, like if we're thinking like the big picture, I want to make our whole planet ready that we can make contact with extraterrestrials. No way, you crazy motherfucker. I'm kind of crazy. I love it. Uh, so let me break that down. Yeah. So let's just assume aliens are real. Okay, I'm right? with you. And by the way, I'm, I'm with you on that. If I had to pick, I'm definitely on the alien side. So you, you got some support. So let's already. assume that they're real. Yes. And we can and look at different like factors, um, different experiences that people have. But uh, we are being visited, right? You can watch a bunch of you videos on YouTube. You can talk to people. Every, every second or third person has seen a UFO. 
right? Or something in the sky that, that wasn't an airplane or a satellite or a rocket, but something else. Yeah. And same for me. I also saw something once that I couldn't explain with conventional means. Yeah. So, so let's assume like they're extraterrestrials from another place. Uh, a lot of a lot of people immediately go to well, they're here to check us out, and they're probably going to steal our resources and maybe just want to conquer us and take over. That's a mentality that that comes from colonialism. And if we're trying to assume what an alien race would do, like, it's, you can't really because they're aliens, you know. Until we meet them and talk to them, we won't know what their intentions are. But what I can tell you, if they're able to instantly travel here from another galaxy in the blink of an eye, they can get anything they want. They would have fucked us already. They would have. Yeah. They totally would have. Yeah. And so it only leads me to to think either one, they're just curious, or two, they have a vested interest in us and maybe they see potential in us, but are waiting for us to um, maybe do away with some of our old bad habits of like trying to kill each other and dominate each other and cause each other more trauma. Like our animalistic shit. Yeah, you're right. And, um, and so what I'm thinking is that human beings are an evolved mammal that has the capacity for self-reflection, thinking into the future, and having compassion. Right? That was one of the things that we're some of the things that we're capable of. And if we could develop our entire civilization to the point where we're no longer fighting each other and we're no longer trying to dominate each other, instead we realize that we're all sitting in the same sandbox together and we can actually share and make a really beautiful experience out of this. Um, and when that point comes, and it could be years away, decades away, could be next year, who knows, could also be 300 years. But I want our species to move in that direction so that we can actually be part of the cosmic family. That's awesome. That's yeah. super awesome. Yeah. So that's my big time goal. You know, what it looks like more like on the ground is like helping people process their trauma. Yeah. Helping people be more fuller humans. Because if you, if you have trauma in you, what happened? How, how does trauma within us bring out our, our more animal side or those lower versions of our, of our human potential? Well, first of all, trauma will have you do all different kinds of things. Uh, but usually it's self-preservation tactics that we'll use when we're in a traumatic state we're going to try to make sure we have what we need but we might separate ourselves from other people and something that happens when you're very small is that whatever happens in our in our childhoods we become traumatized either by school our parents maybe an uncle or you know somebody yelling at us at some point and and making us feel like we're not enough not good enough or uh, unlovable unlovable a burden whatever it right. is you know and 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 that wound festers in people's hearts and it will cause them to do all kinds of things to protect themselves to separate themselves from love in some way because there's something that's born out of the ego which is um your shadow right the the part of you that is is self is trying to self-preserve you but um, maybe only has juvenile tools, you right? Know, right. You're like 
five years old when your dad yells at you or something and slams something on the table and traumatizes you, you have a five-year-old's uh, strategy for dealing with that trauma. Right. And you maintain it until your adulthood and maybe until you die. So what you're talking about is like is limbic hijack is what I'm hearing is like the part of our brain that can actually reason and think our way to rational quality decisions for how to deal with life when we when our trauma is triggered our limbic brain basically is is what takes over control blood stops flowing to uh, our prefrontal cortex and we're basically kind of like a five-year-old again and so we can only we only have the tools of a five-year-old and so we act out like an, a, a baby adult and get right. baby adult results right and you you don't have to look far to see what the no, results of that in the world turn on the news turn on the news anytime you know like yeah. it's just like all trauma yeah and um like we're never going to get rid of the trauma necessarily but we can do something about the impact on society as it goes forward because we're all inheriting thousands of years of trauma right for me that's why i think karma is is karma is just like yeah. trauma that's been passed on to you from your parents or whoever raised you and um your choice is what you do with it right and most people yes. they they fall into like maybe the limbic trap or whatever the the automation that their their brains and nervous system have come up for them and they don't actually make any higher decisions they don't move beyond the urgency of the trauma right mm. and a, a good like statement i heard recently from another coach was uh if there's urgency behind it there's trauma behind it like if there's this sort of like anxiety behind is another similar word for urgency there like it's sort of like it could be it could be anxiety but urgency um i would say is always motivated by some form of fear yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you that's such a good word urgency i want to write that down because i was making a video the other day and i and i felt that yet i couldn't actually put my word on it and the word um i came to was actually anxiety so i'm gonna just write here anxiety equals urgency Right. And you can like think about that in any way you want. If there's an urgency to um, to have a job and get money. Right. What's the trauma underneath it? Right. Maybe you grew up in an environment where your parents didn't have enough. Maybe you only had one meal a day. Maybe not not even that. Right. You know, and so to protect yourself from that awful, awful experience of not having enough you're going to overcompensate. You're going to do everything you can to have enough money and it's never going to be enough right. because the urgency <clears throat> is still driving you. Right. right. You're trying to fix the internal world with the external world. Right. It's, it's, a, it's like I'm trying to solve a spiritual problem with a material solution. Exactly. You know, a, yeah. Or it was an urgency to, to be in a partnership instead of being alone. Right. right? Or an urgency to um, be on time. Like, like you're late to something and you're panicking, you're yeah. freaking out. Yeah, right? I, I, That's I'm, trauma. I'm sometimes like that. I, I'm wondering why. Do, do, could you like psychoanalyze me for a second? <laughs> okay, so why do you think me, that is? Well, tell me the last time you were late and you were freaking out. Um. Well, honestly, today when I was coming here, okay, uh, and I was late, and um, I was walking to a cafe, but it's it's funny. Um, I I caught it and I was like. Just go to the fucking cafe and just chill. It's okay. Um, but it, it came up. Yeah. It came up. Okay. And what were the thoughts that came up? Um, was there a story uh, about it, yourself? It, it, 
Uh, I don't remember a story about myself. I remember like, I'm late. I was kind of pissed because I didn't have Wi-Fi. And I had to like find a cafe and I was just kind of like, I, I felt like the like world was against me. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Sit in that one for a moment. The world is against me. Take a deep breath. So what's underneath that? And, and it's, it's probably a story about you. The world is against me. What does that say about you? I can't do anything right. You can't do anything right. Do you remember a time in your childhood where that thought came up? I mean, I can think of multiple memories right now, yeah. Just think of the first one that comes to mind. First one that came to mind was I, I, um, I was trading money with my brother. I was like probably five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And somehow or some way, I gave him like the wrong coin and he like swindled me and like took more money than like I gave him or something. And my mom wouldn't let me like get a fair trade back. Huh. I remember crying and being upset. That was the first one. Wow. Okay. So think about or like, again, just close your eyes, take a deep breath and then just sink yourself into that moment. Like you were trading money with your brother, brother and he, um, the judgment you use is he swindled you, right? And, uh, and then you had the thought, like, I can't do anything right. Yeah. And, and your mom didn't protect you. She just yes. kind of like, uh, didn't let you have your fair share of money back or whatever it was. A similar feeling like the world's against me, like she's against me. Right. And like, you couldn't do anything right. Um, and that might've been the trauma, you know, whatever yeah. you, the decision you made about that, because yeah, you can't change the traumatic uh, situation of how it happened, but how you react to trauma is is telltale of where you are at. Yeah, right? and so if that urgency still lives in you that you don't want, you can't do anything right, and the world is against you, then that's the state you're going to be living in when things happen that you can't account for. Yes. Right. Like sometimes we're going to be late. Sometimes there's going to be traffic. Right. Right. And like, what do you do when you're stuck in traffic and you need to be at this business meeting and you literally can't get there in time? Freak out or just fucking breathe and chill. Yeah. yeah. And the freaking out, that would be the trauma like based behavior. And then like, well, there's nothing I can change about it. Yes. You know, this is this is the ride right now. So I'm just going to take a big deep breath. Yeah. And relax into it and let it be okay and just accept the consequences. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. And um, it's funny that I've had that memory come up many times and I always thought it was a, a money trauma. But now hearing this and it was the first thought, first thought that came up. Now I'm realizing it, I can't do anything right trauma or something mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's super powerful, man. And that's been a journey for me in this last like two years. I was in um, um, Bali, Indonesia and like everyone there is fucking late. Everyone there is late. Like, oh my God, 20, 30 minutes late for a coffee meeting. And like, <laughs> and like, I'm just like, I, I take it as an offense, right? You know, right. <laughs> because that's my shit. 
But like for me, it's like 30 minutes late was just ridiculous. They walk in like it's fine. Hey, you know? <laughs> and um, anyways, and so for me, like, I think Bali kind of helped teach me to like chill a little bit and um, relax a bit and not be so anxious about those. Cause really that, that's like one of my main anxieties is like just like being on time. And I'm noticing in my brother, he has this more than I do cause I've been like lessening it. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just like a, a super like not fun way to live life. And that's for me, like one of the things I love about healing trauma um, and helping others is it's just more fun to live life. Life is not as fun when you're like living out your traumas, you know? No, it's it's going to be urgent and stressful and yeah. not a whole lot of fun. And yeah, I mean, some of the things we do are, are trauma based as well. Like, I don't know, going out and partying and consuming a bunch of alcohol or other drugs yes. is, is still trauma based. You know, like, yeah, we're having fun, but like, we're also like right covering up the actual pain that we're always experiencing Oftentimes every day use that for that purpose you can also drink alcohol and not do it from trauma too though totally yeah, yeah. and get drunk and do not it do it from trauma. yeah totally yeah, totally. yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh, it's it's just like the urgency and your state of consciousness when you're in the act of doing it yes like a, a good test like if you're in some kind of addictive behavior like can you be in the moment of using yeah or do you even remember it afterwards? Yes. Some people don't even remember that they just smoked another cigarette. Yes. You know, for sure. or just had another it's drink. It's so unconscious. Right. And that's that's what needs to change. Like if you have an addiction and you want to change something, do it consciously first. Yeah. If you're going to do it, do it. Yeah. Right? And fucking enjoy it. Yeah. And and be aware of your thoughts while you're doing it. Yes. Right? Oh, it's so good. And, and then like you, you can identify, oh, okay. Like I was actually feeling really sad. You know, somebody just told me something and made me feel sad and I didn't want to feel that. So I just smoked some weed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then like, once you break down that little, like that pathway, then you can actually see where it's coming from. Right. Oh shit. This is just a way for me to disassociate. Right. 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 And how do I actually want to be? And right. like, you can still use if you enjoy the practice of it. But if you're doing it from a, of a place of trying to hide the pain, you're not going to enjoy it as much. Yeah. Right. It's also going to reinforce the pattern of shame that's beneath it or, you know, whatever emotion is there, it's going to reinforce those patterns. Um, so I had a bulimia, which is an eating disorder, an yeah. addiction to food. I would binge eat on food. Yeah. And it, exactly what you said was true in my experience. When I started to heal it was when I watch the unconscious pattern run. I watch myself grab the extra bag of chips. I watch myself fill up, fill up multiple plates and I just experienced it all and was just conscious of it. And then, um, and then, and then the next step was to release the shame beneath it. And I called my dad, told him everything I always wanted to say, had that release was crying. Wow. It was wow. one of the scariest things I've ever done, honest to God, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then after that, which is the part when I come back to from what you said was, um, I took on this challenge of, I'm allowed to eat anything I want, literally anything, anytime, but I can't judge myself for it. Like I can't, I, I'm not allowed to judge myself for it and I can't dis disconnect from my body. I have to basically just sit in whatever feelings come up and I committed to that in the first two weeks I really gave myself permission. I was eating fried shit for breakfast, eating pizza. I, would, I ate like a little kid. 
Yeah. And um, anything I wanted, any craving, instantly satisfied it. Wow. And um, but after enough time of that, which wasn't very long, a week or two, my body felt like such shit, and I didn't dissociate. I took the time to actually lie down and all that shame that came up uh, and the crappy food feeling. Yeah. You're, you don't want to go back to it. Right. It, so it, it just retrained my body. Like we actually don't want that. We think we do, but we actually don't. And that was one of the that that was the freedom for me. Yeah. It was realizing I actually don't want it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, good. Right? That's really beautiful. And I think people really need to hear that. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I mean, it's it's rare for men actually to to come out with bulimia. Right? Yeah, I think it's, it's more much, of a common much, thing for women. Especially like body image things and that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. More of a woman thing. But, you know, it doesn't mean that man can, men can have those kinds of uh, experiences. I had a man reach out to me the, the other day to, uh, to, to be a client of mine specifically because I shared that on my social media because wow. he's going through it too. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I actually think more men deal with mental health challenges than um, we know of. Oh, for sure. You know? And oh, for sure. Suicide for men... Three to three to four times more likely than for women, and I had a woman reach back out to me on Instagram. Was, yeah, that's because men, you know, they're better at commit killing themselves, like they're stronger, things of that nature. And I thought about that, and I was like, potentially, but if you want to, you know, <laughs> if you really want to kill yourself, it doesn't matter if you like can't jump lift. off a fucking building. You know, you can do it. Yeah, it, there's there's a really lot of ways. It. There's a lot of ways. Uh, it, it, you know, might just take imagination, but not being strong enough. I don't, I, that was I the comment think, I got. I didn't think that was, um, I don't think it holds a lot of water. She seemed triggered as well. She's like, we commit suicide, you know, more. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah, I was like, commit suicide. I was like, <laughs> right. oh, great. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah wow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a really sad reality. Um, and I think it's starting to change now with like, I guess like, there's a rise in men's groups and men's work happening yes. now. Yes. A lot of people still don't know what that is, but uh, just the other day I was like watching a video on a meme platform and like some Instagram girl or TikTok girl was like, who do you talk to when your life is not doing so great? And then a bunch of men like filmed themselves just talking about, I don't talk to anybody. Nobody cares about men. And yes. it just kept repeating itself over and over. A bunch so of men just saying like, nobody gives a fuck about men. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit about men. And there's this like, oh. there's this, this idea that like men can somehow uh, do away with the pain much more easily than women can, or something, right? Yeah. That, that we we're, we're we just strong. Have, we we're strong. We have thicker skin. We don't let it bug us. But those are lies. We don't let us bug us. Really true. Depression. That, yeah, that, we just suppress it. And we don't talk about it, mm-hmm. right? And we don't want to be seen as weak for talking about our problems and stuff like that. And that's what actually kills men. They don't yes. talk to anybody. And then, like, they can't deal with the suffering. Nobody knows that they're suffering. And yes. so they just kill themselves. Yes. And, and, and you can't blame them because it's when you have that much emotion. I used to not understand suicide. And I never had any suicidal thoughts myself that I, like, actually, like, believed. Like, that I actually was, like, yeah, like I want to commit suicide. I've had a, th- a thought or two come up, but I never thought I was that type of person to commit suicide. So I didn't. Um, luckily, my identity saved me. <laughs> but, but, you That's know, cool. um, but um, what was I going to say there? Um, People don't care about men, or oh yeah, something. Oh yeah, this is what it was. This is what it was. Thank you for the trigger. Um, yeah, people don't care about men. Like men are supposed to just tough it up. And so one of the things that I think is really important is to redefine what strong and weak are. I think that's one of the key mm-hmm. distinctions that men need to redefine for themselves. Yeah. And um, so in my work, I think you'll get a kick out of this. 
um, I had a client who didn't want to, you know, sh- sh- uh, express his emotion. I'm like, like, come on, have some balls. Show me, you know, cry or like, you know, man up and man up and cry. Like I'm flipping the whole, flipping the association with what man up means. Right, right, and right. It, it just, it broke his pattern for that second and it gave him the space to actually let it out. Yeah. And I find that that sort of thing is um, really important in like these men's groups. And I think most men's groups, if not all, uh, not all of them, I'm sure. But I would say like most of the ones I've been a part of, they do a really good job at that, of making that space. Like you get rewarded for showing your feelings. Yeah. And in their life, it's been the opposite. They've been punished for showing their feelings. So I think that's the main distinction and change that men need to make. Right. And that's also trauma, you know? Like right. every boy has like cried, you know, in kindergarten or at school and then other kids laughing at him. Right. You know, in Germany, we have this, this weird saying. Uh, it's like um, an Indian man knows no pain or a Native American knows no pain. And that's what you say to boys when they cut themselves and they're crying. Like an Indian man knows no pain. So like you need to be like the Indian guy and not cry. That's what they say in Germany. Yeah, that's what they say. Why Indian? They, they didn't mean Indian like Native American? Native, Native, Native American because it comes from like the whole like cowboy and Indian movies where like the Native Americans, they, you know, they were tough warriors and this kind of idea that like tough warriors don't cry. And so they, they turned that into a metaphor. Like uh, an Indian knows no pain. Right? They've spiritually transcended pain and you know like right. you shouldn't be suffering right you know and i grew up with these kinds of sayings but like it's translatable into any other language like well boys don't cry yes, like, yes real men don't cry yes you know like men don't ask for help men don't ask for directions right like you got to do it all your own buddy right you know and i think that's what's really making it difficult for men to actually really fit into society and actually feel like that we're an emancipated part of it, right? There's been a lot of focus on the women's movement and empowering women, which I'm 100% like supporting. Me too. And at the same time, men need to do their work too. And like the reason that women even had to have an empowerment movement is because men were traumatized and pushing them down. Yeah, right. So so to talk a little bit about that and and masculine culture, because I've heard the idea that um, a lot of these f- feminists are re- want to repress masculinity and shame masculinity, but only because what they're aware of, and w- it was what you're saying is that like what we could call say toxic masculinity that repressed them that was from trauma. But there's also this really amazing healthy form of masculinity that I think should be celebrated. But I think that a lot of feminists are just saying no to all masculinity because they've right. had the, the painful side. So what, what's, what's your take on that? I would say that those those women or those people that are saying things like that aren't true feminists. Gotcha. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. like that's over over feminist or toxic femininity or right. whatever you want to call it because it's just a re- retaliation. It's not actually because feminism what it actually means is equal rights for all men and women, right? And for a long time it wasn't equal. It it was in the favor of men, right? And like women couldn't vote, women couldn't like leave a marriage, women couldn't uh, actually start a business, like women couldn't do a lot of things because like men were afraid of their power. And now the scales have changed. Now that men, uh, women are considered equal, are supposed to be considered equal citizens to men. Um, But like what's also happened is like some women after having inherited all that anger 
from thousands of years of trauma are retaliating against men and want them to have want us to have it as bad as they did yeah right? and, and and they got it bad bro if you look at history like i heard stories of like women getting like burned alive and shit like that oh yeah i mean like the worst of the worst yeah you know and like i can understand that anger yeah but also like is that really the society we want to live in for sure you know because yeah. like if we're creating a society where one certain group is at a disadvantage to others no one's ever going to be equal and no one's actually going to truly be happy right and now like i'm reading different things of like there's like one actor or actress she was um she rejects any cast that calls for a strong female lead because now you it's really interesting because like now we're seeing a whole lot of movies where like there's a strong female lead there's like um a, a female dominated cast right and usually the male characters are blundering idiots on the side that they're, they're there for comic relief right right um she's fucking bored of all these roles because they're all the same and it's just like women acting like men right right or fulfilling the roles of men in these movies and she's tired of it right. like she would actually get a lot more out of like playing a role where it's more complex than that right, right? where like there is suffering and maybe there is a disadvantage to whatever you're the role you're playing but right. that makes the story more interesting and makes right. it more immersive um if you have a character that is basically super strong but also just like I I infallible it, it becomes kind of boring uh, you know she has no negative traits right who can who can relate to that no nobody yeah. can and uh so yeah that's I think it is really interesting, like what's yeah. happening in like the world of movies and media and things like that, and the the woke culture. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I understand the origins of woke culture. It's it's about like giving people of uh, of different minorities an equal ground to stand on. We all are equal people, you know, and that that means everybody in the LGBT, LGBTQ movement, women's movement, environmentalism. It's kind of consumed all these different aspects which is a good thing, but then they turn it into some kind of dogma. And, um, and now it's just in people's faces. And you'll find in media that like, sometimes the, the roles that they give people of certain ethnicities don't actually make sense for the role, right? And yeah, so it breaks yeah, the immersion, yeah. right? So if you watch like a historical fiction where now Queen Elizabeth is played by an African-American woman, like that's great representation. Wow. And that was a show, I think, on HBO or Amazon Prime. It was like a black woman played, but she wasn't black. A black woman played wow. the, the 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 Queen of England. That's crazy. That doesn't even make sense to me. And yeah, I, that makes is, sense. I don't feel I'm being racist whatsoever right now. Like I feel I have total respect for black people. I believe I have uh, like black energy in my in my DNA. Like like that's crazy. Yeah, it's it's weird, you know, and like. I guess that's interesting, but like if you're if you're watching a show that's supposed to be historical, historical, you know, or historical fiction, like that kind of breaks the immersion. And you'll find a lot of that now in like lots of different shows, especially on Netflix and stuff like that. That you'll find that's crazy. Yeah, it's weird, and like I don't know how I feel about it, and I, I I'm I'm afraid of like standing too strongly on one on either side because yeah. it would it would make me seem like an intolerant person. But I'm just looking at this as 
maybe a media consumer and like, well, uh, it didn't used to be something that I like thought about a whole lot. You know, I watch a movie and there's black and white and Asian people and you don't really think about they're just characters playing their roles and that's yeah. fine. And, but usually they were casted to make sense. And now they're being casted because of their part of a minority. There's yeah. now a new rule in Hollywood that in any production, you're supposed to have this many people that are of color. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, and, it's a rule now. And um, I, I want to like be super aware that I have white privilege, like that, that even like the questions I'm asking myself right now about this thing you brought up are coming from the reference points of white privilege. You know, I, I, I probably would ask myself different questions right now in my head if, if I was a minority. And so I, I'm sure for like, I, like what I'm trying to do to myself right now, because I was very much on the side of fuck that, like what? I'm trying to like reel myself back after you said you want to be more of a balanced approach. I want to kind of bring myself to like, like what, what do you think some of their perspectives are, the minorities, when they see that? Do you think they have the same reaction as us? Or do you think they have a different reaction? From what I've read online, like they don't always enjoy the, the extra or like the representation that's kind of stuffed down their throats. You know, when it makes sense, nobody complains, right? But then like, I don't know, like there's different kinds of perspectives. I was talking to my friend about it the other day and like, well, historically, a lot of African people have been slaves. So if we're, we're having some kind of like movie around like the, the 1800s in the United States, black people are going to be represented as slaves or servants. Right. Right. And maybe these, these people playing these roles are tired of always playing the same roles. That, that, I, that I can definitely uh, relate to, uh, or yeah. I, I can believe. But like the thing for me in this specific example was only the fact that it was a historical movie. Right. Like, it, like I don't care if it's black, white, red, or orange queen in like some movie where it's just about a king and a queen. But when it's about Queen Elizabeth, who was a white person, that's the only thing that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. With me was like it's literally about a specific person who's white right like it's not the fact that she's a queen or has high status and that's why she shouldn't be black it's just specifically because like it's a it's a movie about a woman who's who's white um that was the thing that just really shocked me yeah you know yeah and it surprised me too and like i don't know like there was the show the witcher i fucking love that show it was a great I show all th it was two seasons or three i think the third season's coming out it now. better be or i'm gonna kill yeah. myself yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> Funny. Um, so The Witcher is based off um, a series of novels that also became a video game or a series of video games. And they're all based off of Slavic mythology and uh, folk tales and things like that. People from African descent were never characters in these stories that the, these books are based off of. And then when you watch the Netflix show, you'll find that there's a there's a queen character or like this empress character, and she's black. she's a black woman, right? Yes. And like if you watch if you play the the video games, she looks nothing like that. Yes. Um, and uh, you'll find a, a host of other characters that are you know mixed or or other of other ethnicities, and. Even with that one, even though it's like it's fantasy, you yeah. know, and like it doesn't really matter what races or ethnicities are represented, it still kind of broke the immersion because I knew the background. Right. For it. you, someone who knew the background, for me, I was, I literally didn't even think of this because I didn't have the context that you had. 
Right. Yeah. And like, so for me, it broke the immersion a little bit, but also like, then you just have to look at the characters of how they play their characters. And if they yes. play them well, then who gives a shit? Yeah. Right. Who gives a shit? For me, in the example of The Witcher, like I personally, like that doesn't bother me whatsoever that they had other races, even now hearing the context. It was just the thing for me with Queen Elizabeth, where it was like literally Queen Elizabeth, like the thought of her Queen, imagine Queen Elizabeth, but black. Yeah. Like, the, like the, to me, they just like, I don't know. Does this even fucking matter? <laughs> I don't know if it, I mean, I guess it matters yeah, if you why, care about like it being historically accurate and being immersive in that way. So, so let's kind of, I wanted to ask you this question. It's funny that we came back to this. What What's the importance of historical accuracy and how accurate do you think the majority of the history that we hear is? I mean, that's, that's a, that's a big can of worms. I mean, there's like history is written by those that, that won. Right. Right. And so, uh, the history dead. that we've inherited, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know when, when kids in, in high school in the United States learn about us history, like half of it's omitted, you know, they don't learn about half of like the, the terrible heinous things that their ancestors did to right. the native American cultures and, and African slaves and things like that, they're kind of like hidden from that, you know. Not, I think it's it's becoming more public now, and that that's why we have the woke movement to also like help inform people that there have been a lot of like atrocities and wrongdoings in the past. But if you're, I don't know, if you're making a historical film, I think like if you wanted to be depicted accurately you would have the people fill the roles that they would normally be filling within that time, right? And, uh, and if, if not, then it's, like, it's just like fantastical historical fiction. You can like label it off as that. But um, say, for instance, you're watching uh, a movie about uh, Nazi Germany, right? And... Um, it was really interesting how uh, Quentin Tarantino kind of altered history, mm. right? Because like at the end of like Inglorious Bastards, they just kill Hitler. They just shoot him, right? You know, and like, but that's fiction, you know. And yeah. they just like created an alternate timeline, and it's just entertaining for that reason. So right. like, I don't really have a problem with that. But if you're trying to be as accurate as possible, then have, you know, then. I'm sorry to say, don't have a black person play like uh, Joseph Goebbels, you know, the advisor to Hitler, right. right? By a black person, you know, have you know, like a white person play that role because historically that's what these figures looked like, right? You know, but uh, you know, the backlash could be similar if you say um, you want equal representation in all media. So let's have a movie about Martin Luther, Martin Luther King. And have uh, say like Liam Neeson play him, right? Like a white guy just play. It'd be very tough to imagine. It'd be tough to imagine. It wouldn't make any sense. It wouldn't. And by the way, I feel the same about that example as I do about the Queen Elizabeth. Right. If if the roles are reversed, I feel the exact same. Right. And the only reason they did that with Queen Elizabeth is to show their how good they are by representing people. Now and and so. Here's one thought that came to me about this when you said changing timelines and like when they shot Hitler, that's not how it actually happened. It's like a, a, a changing a change of timelines. 
I thought of a perspective that a black person might have <clears throat> on this, which is what if the representation of black people is like for them, like the timeline that they think should have happened. If only mm -hmm. black people weren't so suppressed mm -hmm. and, and like re repressed, then there would be the, the black person as the general. But because they were repressed, they weren't. So what if like having a black person is like rewriting history. This is how it should have been. We're sorry. You know, it should have been a black person. I mean, and, and like history was fucked up for black people. You know, it's like historical accuracy. Maybe we wish that wasn't accurate. Maybe right. maybe we wish that black people actually had a different history. You know what I mean? Right. That's a thought that came to me. I, I would welcome that kind of entertainment. You know, if they if they have a good way of just introducing like this is an alternate kind of like play out of history. And it's just for us to feel like, yeah, good about it in a different way. And they're not just retelling the same stories with the same sad endings. Right. Mm. But also like we could find examples in history that are really, really inspiring. Like there was the story of um, he was an African-American slave on a ship and he was able to escape. And then he created his own like um, team and became his own captain. And he actually became an admiral in like the United States Army. Oh, awesome. You know? I heard like, that story. That sounds great. Yeah, it would be a great movie. Yeah. We would make a great that movie. That would make a really great movie, actually. You know? And, like, that would be really inspiring of, like, a true story of somebody that fled slavery and, like, turned his whole life around, right? Yeah. And then became an inspiration to other people. I would love, I would pay to see that movie, mm. right? But I'm not, I'm not so into in this forced representation where it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, like, they you. had that same story played by a white guy or an Asian guy. And then right. it would, like, what the fuck? And then it wouldn't make sense anymore. Right. You know, like, it has to be, to some degree, historically accurate. Or if you're creating a fictional world, make it make sense within that world. Right. Right. So, like, with Witcher, I can let that slide because it's fantasy. You know, you can Such do whatever you want. Yeah. But, like, also, like, why are we trying to, like create movies of old stories that we already know with new different kinds of characters when we could take stories from places of relevance right like we we have lots of stories from africa we have like great stories of like warriors and all kinds of stuff like right. they started doing that with uh like black panther like yeah. wakanda like yes creating like an african atlantis that's cool that's you know really cool. i'd love to see more stuff like that you yeah. know if they could create you know, fantasy worlds along that, but there's also like so much history that you can draw from and create great stories from. Right. You know, um, recently there was this film called The Woman King. The Woman King, cool. The Woman King. Um, I haven't seen it, but like I just read views or, you know, just read some synopses about it. And it was just, um, it was an African woman that was leading a country in Africa and uh i'm not really quite sure what the struggle or what the what the war is but she was basically a warrior queen right and um that that's great you know like there's a woman that's being portrayed as like a powerful character in this film except if you look up the historical aspect of that that nation that she was leading um leading so like it wasn't just white people that came over to Africa and captured a bunch of Africans and took them over as slaves. They were sold to them by other African nations. Okay. And the story, the woman king, one of the it was one of those nations that actually sold slaves. Oh wow. You know? And so there's this woke movie, but there's like uh, you know, a really dark 
like truth. backstory truth to yeah, it yeah. that like they don't address in the film yeah you know and it kind of defeats the whole woke movement if they actually you know talked about slavery and that like right. the african nations are selling slaves to these white people the europeans and bring them over to africa uh you know, america right you know like it changes history a little bit but that's history that right. happened you know and i wouldn't say that like all african tribes did that but like you know like you kind of have to just look at the facts and then make your opinion from that and yeah. um not saying that like the way the europeans treated their slaves was justified because they they were treating human beings like trash right you know that's never never, never excusable agreed. you know um but if we're trying to like wash out the actual dark parts of history and only look at the things we want to look at then we're just deluding ourselves right you know and we're creating a culture that that values a value over the truth right yeah mm. you know truth is painful sometimes man but, it's fucking painful yeah. yeah so that was a really interesting <laughs> yeah that was <laughs> yeah i did not expect to go there but uh Neither did i why not i mean i guess it started with like talking about feminism and yeah i, and I think it was great i've been really enjoying this conversation yeah me too yeah um i'm curious to know if you've ever worked with any um uh, clients in your somatic release work that are um gay or in the lg um uh what was the acronym lgbtq community have you worked with anybody in this community Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ask because I've been thinking about this community a little bit lately and um, feeling lots of compassion, actually, for them mm -hmm. because of how much they probably have been repressed. And me just thinking about growing up with a group of guys, it would be an insult to call another guy gay. You're gay, you're a fag, you know, um, whatever. And it's like this sort of knock on like um, a man being very feminine. Right. And I guess some men just have a feminine core. And that's cool, yeah. you know? Yeah. And... Um, Anyway, so I'm just curious, like your your work working with anyone in this community, and like uh, if if you can share like some stuff that's come up. Uh, years ago, I worked with a man. Um, well, actually, now that I think about it, I know a bunch of people, but you know, like I've worked with people that identify as lesbian, men that identify as gay. I've worked with people that identify as trans. For me, I don't really see a big difference between a gay person, a straight person, black or white. The human physiology is pretty much the same. Yes, I see what you're saying. You know, and, and human trauma is also pretty much the same. Okay. And uh, the only difference in, in working with certain people is like where I place my hands, right? If I'm working with a woman, I'm going to be very careful about right. how, how I hold her and how I, um, where I place my hands. But with any client, I'm always making sure that I'm working with consent. Yeah. You know, consent yeah. is sacred. You know, like before I even make contact with them, is it, I ask them, is it okay if I touch you? Yeah. Is it okay if I touch your back? Yeah. Right? So the, Do you ask for each part of the body or do you start with the back? I start with the back. Usually in the beginning of a session, I'll do assessment work. I'll look at their posture. I watch how they walk. I'll take photos of them to see like how their posture is before the session and after. And then also I ask them where they have pain in their bodies, uh, what their goals are. And, uh, and then, you know, as they're describing their pain, then I'm like, is it okay if I touch your back? And then I just palpate, feel around and push in a few areas yeah. uh, and just try to see where their pain is and where their, their patterns are. Yeah. 
um, AI, and I'm, I'm always working with permission. Some people, there's implied permission, like I'll ask them, I'm like, yeah, 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 go ahead, Just, yeah. you know, <laughs> work, do your magic, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, especially when I'm working with women, I'm, I'm always careful about like making sure everything is consensual because, um, yeah, I, I just want to make them feel honored and make them feel respected. And, uh, and I'm there to, to be the space of healing for them. Yes. You know, are you in a relationship right now? No. Did you do this work with women while you were in a relationship? What do you mean? Like work where you were hands on with women's bodies while you were in a relationship with a woman? Oh yeah. 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 And it's, it is kind of like, just like massage therapy vibe. Like it's, it's fine. Yeah. It's just... I mean, my clients don't even take their clothes off. Yes. You know, it's all clothed right on a massage table. You know, like, would you be jealous if your girlfriend went to a physical therapist? No, no, not at all. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know. Okay. Um, I mean, sometimes there will be men that, like, they got their wives and their wife is really interested in receiving the somatic work and then they feel uncomfortable with another man touching their wife. Yes. You know, but in that moment, I just talked to him, explained to him what I'm up to and what I'm doing. I'm sure if, if any guy met you, they'd be like, okay, yeah, it's fine. Like, this guy's not going to, like, fuck my wife. Yeah. No, that's not. It's not what I'm. It's not what I'm doing. That, that word last for. thing on your mind during that session. No, yeah. no, because like, yeah, if I want to have sex with somebody, I wouldn't invite them to do a session. <laughs> I wouldn't yes. mix. I wouldn't wouldn't mix business with romance. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, like if you know, if I'm in relationship with somebody and they want a session, that's fine. I yeah. can do that. Yeah. But like, as a first date or like a way to court them. No, no, no. It's like I, I keep those separate because I think it's a pretty yeah. sleazebag move. I think to like to be like I've I've heard sto from pretty fucked up stories of like gurus and things of that nature saying they're doing sex healing and like and then they bring women there and they you know like touch them and either like put their fingers in their vagina and like tell them like they're healing them. Ugh. And so there's really there's really intense things that go on actually with a lot of these, oh, yeah, even yeah. like shamans. Oh like, yeah, who, yeah, like that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah it's pretty yeah. sleazy. I, I'm not interested in that stuff like i'm actually interested in getting results with people yes you know and like <laughs> that's good yeah and i haven't specialized myself in any sexual therapy so i don't advertise that i don't do that you know yeah. like i keep that separate yeah you know oh, cool and uh i also like signed an agreement after completing my training that like i wouldn't use this to you know have sex with people and it, like i i'm surprised i even had to sign that because i just like it <laughs> Well, man, like welcome. Well, we were talking. We started this conversation with the animalistic side of human beings, right? You know, so don't be too surprised. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> thanks. thanks. Um, I, I want to uh, end this podcast here. I'm just looking at the time. I have to uh, get to another meeting. Okay. Um, I it was great, by the way. I totally forgot we were recording this. Like, it was it really felt like a conversation. Um, I, I'd like to just to end with like um, a piece of advice you could give for a man who's um, between 20 and 30 years old, uh -huh. around that range. And um, just like some advice to help him on on his path, so he so he can heal his trauma, so we can eventually connect with the aliens. So um, one of the most powerful things that you can do is be connected to your breath. Agreed. Right, and uh, just like a deep breath in between uh, very stressful situations can make a hell of a difference. Um, go look in the mirror and look at yourself and see the person that you are. Look into your eyes, see the pain, 
see your disappointments, see your joys, see your inspirations, and look at yourself as the person that you've always wanted to be. Mm. And what would that person do? How would he behave toward other people? How would he treat strangers? How would he pe treat people that are considered less than him, mm. right? How would he treat people that are above him, mm. right? And look at that man, look at that child behind those eyes, and, uh, and also like ask yourself, how does this person want to be treated? How does this person want to be seen? And once you have that idea, just go out into the world. That's just, so good. Just do something. That's yeah. so good. But be kind. Yeah. Um, and anywhere they can, they can find your work online if you'd like to get involved. Yeah. If, uh, the best way to reach me is through Instagram. Okay. Um, my Instagram page is Oshenza Seiji. And you can just put the, the put handle the below. But it's O-S-H-E-N-Z-A-S-E-I-J-I. -I. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird mouthful. We'll, we'll, we'll have to put that in the description for everybody listening. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I like weird words. Yeah. Uh, that, my, my name happens to be a weird word. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, you'll find like videos of myself talking about somatics, about trauma. Um, and I also teach regular classes here in Mexico City. Yeah. I also work with clients online teaching them somatics, but also do uh, what I call emotional mentoring. So especially for young men that yes. are like figuring out their life and trying, trying to figure out how to be emotionally intelligent in the world so that they can be the best version of themselves. I help men yes. and women actually to just like deal with their emotions, deal with the emotional trauma that they might have suffered in their lives yeah. and rewrite the story. That's super badass. And even like the, the short little intervention you gave me today on, our, on this podcast I really enjoy the the clarity and the simplicity, and um, yeah, I re I really enjoyed it. So um, definitely, you know, got my stamp of approval. Thanks. <laughs> wants to reach out, for that sure. matters. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, no, I really appreciate your time today. It was it was nice to have this connection, and I really really enjoyed the conversation. So thank you. Me too. Yeah, thanks for being open and for making this happen, and uh, for doing what you're doing, bro. This is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. That's it, that's a wrap. Thank you for watching or listening to this podcast episode. I hope it was valuable for you because I make these for you. I make these for people that wanna transform their life to the next level and hopefully change the culture of masculinity at the same time. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, you can check the description below and be sure to subscribe to my channel so you don't miss any updates on the next episode that I will release. Thank you so much for watching and until next time, live a life that's true to you.